Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barrett. Thank you for joining me on Collecting Confidence. This is John Barrett, and today we're going to be talking about how to collect confidence and how to believe in yourself. And I've talked before about the graduation dilemma of being the big man on campus and then going to a new school and suddenly having no idea what you're doing and gaining confidence along the way until you graduate to the next thing. This was never more obvious than when I went from high school to college. The high school that I went to had approximately 669 kids in the class. The college that I went to had approximately 37,000 people in the class. Well, attending all of the classes. The University of Minnesota was enormous. It was very large. And I knew only a handful of people from my high school who decided to go there. Luckily, I had some friends who had older siblings that went there. And so we became acquainted with some of the U of M people through Fellowship of Christian Athletes, both with the high school pairing up with the college and also playing some intramural sports over the summer with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, a little bit of soccer. And that was fun. That was nice. I got to know a few people. But I went to the U of M and I thought maybe the only thing I really knew was gymnastics. I thought maybe I could go out for the gymnastics team. They had a fantastic gymnastics team under Fred Roethlisberger. They had many championships. And the person that I knew from high school gymnastics, who was my not really arch nemesis, but who always defeated me, he was the best, was Brian Meeker. And Brian was at the U of M. So I thought this would be a chance to learn from Brian, to hang out, and to become a better gymnast. When I went to look at the gym, there were people counting calories, eating rice cakes, doing two-a-day practices. It did not look like fun. It did not look enjoyable. It looked like hard work. And a lot of them were on scholarship. I was not intending to be on scholarship. But they also had a person who did the two events that I did, floor and vaulting, Tom Karen. And Tom was really good. I was a hack. Tom was really, really good. And I realized I would not have a chance to be on varsity until Tom graduated. I was a little bit disappointed, but it was understandable. And I went looking for something else to do. One of the guys in Fellowship of Christian Athletes had an older brother who showed up once in a while. But he was on the cheerleading squad at the University of Minnesota. And he told me if I wanted to continue tumbling, I could become a cheerleader. I said I've never cheered before. I didn't have a lot of confidence in my cheering ability. He says, if you can tumble, you'll be ahead of a lot of the people there. We can teach you to cheer. Oh. So I went to tryouts, and it was a whole new group of people. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. I didn't know how to cheer. I didn't know how to do the arm motions. I had a lack of confidence in some of those areas. But where I had confidence was in my ability to tumble. I set myself up for a win by starting with tumbling. I continued to tumble and then started adding some stunts and some other things in, helped a couple of people with their tumbling because that was something else I could do was coach and teach tumbling. But eventually I learned and eventually I made the squad. And today we're going to talk to someone who was also on the squad with me, Jim Matson. He's going to talk with us about believing in yourself. Stick around and we'll help you collect some confidence. Thanks for listening to the Collecting Confidence Podcast. It's my belief that everyone has experience with confidence, and we either have the trophies or the scars to show for it. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and maybe share with a friend who needs to hear this. If you have suggestions for the show, topics you'd like to hear covered, questions you'd like to have addressed, or if you just want to shoot me a line, 
You can go to the Collecting Confidence Facebook page or contact me directly at collectingconfidence at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence. Joining me today is Jim Madsen. Jim is an information security analyst for MoneyGram International, and he is retired from Delta after 30 years, retired as a senior security analyst. Jim, welcome. Thank you, John. Hey, I'm curious what you think of when you think of confidence. What I think of is, that's such an open question, and I darn you, John, for doing that, but (laughs) (laughs) just having... A belief in yourself, I guess, to put it succinctly, just have a belief in yourself. When you think of someone who is confident, what does that look like to you? You know, it really varies. I mean, people can be outwardly appear confident. Somebody you may not know could be appear confident. Perhaps they're not as confident if you were to get them alone one-on-one. In a crowd, some people thrive in a crowd. Others are a little bit more quiet and laid back. Both instances can denote confidence. Some people perhaps are confident enough with themselves. They don't need to be upfront. They don't need to be the center of attention. But that's not to say that people who are the center of attention aren't necessarily confident either. What do you suppose gives people confidence? I think a knowledge of the topic at hand, whatever that may be, and just being able to know themselves, know the environment, know the crowd, know the topic at hand. And what are the things that we do that shoot our confidence? We could set expectations too high, bite off more than you can chew. You could just kind of not even not even plan, not even have a plan to move forward. If I think back to, you know, when you and I were, you know, at the University of Minnesota and on the squad, and even before that, went to the games at the University of Minnesota, the football games, and I saw the cheerleaders coming down University Avenue. It's like, well, that looks like fun. So I, for myself, I set a plan. I set a goal. I want to try out. Now I didn't do it that next year, but you know, I joined the Y and I worked out and then I eagerly went and tried out and I didn't know what to expect. I had no thought of my making the squad, but I went and I I had my plan and I I set forth and I went and I, I tried it. And luckily I did make it. I think just, you know, having that plan in place really helps. And I think to point out to the Listeners out there, Jim and I were both members of the University of Minnesota cheerleading squad many years ago. Many, many years ago. They had nine people on a team at that point. It was a long time ago. A lot of rule changes back then. They wore leather helmets back then? No. (laughs) (laughs) You had helmets. We used to dream of helmets. Yeah, exactly. Having your expectations too high and not having a plan can shoot your confidence. What other things can do that? I think just... Outside factors, you know, things that might be happening in your life, illness, weight gain, a breakup, a a death in the family, just something that kind of throws your whole equilibrium off kilt could kind of make you just start questioning some things and, and maybe not approach an issue with the confidence that you maybe had prior to that, that incident. So I know that some sports are very cut and dried. They're binary. You either won or you didn't win. You either hit the target or you didn't. And some are very subjective. That was a really good tergite. That was a wonderful toe loop. The issue is we're allowing other people to have some power over us in the workplace. How does that manifest itself when someone has an opinion about you or your work or your process? Have you seen that happen? 
Yes, I have. I've seen people who are quick to be critical, quick to belittle, and to act in a manner disrespectful to the individual. People will remain nameless, but person A came to person B asking, you know, for some assistance on something because at the time person B was supposed to be more of a subject matter expert. Person B pretty much just shot down person A, said, I'm busy. I can't, I don't have time to talk. Google it. That didn't really help person A's confidence. You know, I, I am asking for help and you're not helping. Now, what should I do? And the problem with that is then person A then starts, you know, talking amongst the you know other team members and that kind of under undermines any other confidence somebody might have in person B. Also, it kind of doesn't really help relationships with person A if they're talking bad about somebody else. So yeah, I mean, it happens in workplace. It happens in friendships. What about the confidence that you've had with your job? You've had to learn stuff over the years. What I do is I work in the identity and access management team. So I'm working with requests that come in for system access and application access. And with all the tools that we utilize, you know, we then provision that access based on A approvals and, and access needs. I come from a long line of people that have had to learn technology and several of the people in my family are IT people. I'm not. But my first laptop was an Etch-A-Sketch. So I go way back in technology. I've had to learn it over time. How did you go about getting the confidence to understand the cutting edge of what's going on in IT security? Well, truth be told, I'm not sure I am all that keen on the cutting technology within IT. Now the whole focus is on the cloud, and I'm not yet comfortable with administering things within AWS or Google Cloud. So is my confidence lacking there? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, but it's a matter of, it's something you you need to kind of continue to work on and get your hands dirty and, you know, kind of roll up your sleeves. And, you know, it's something that will eventually, that light bulb will click and go on. You're doing what you need to do. And then your new tools come in and the constant there is that everything's always changing. So. When you're at work and people are looking at you as the person who knows this stuff, do they feel that you're confident? What gives them the idea that you're confident about the security? They're coming to me because chances are I've delivered for them in the past and delivered what they needed when they needed it in a a timely manner. So that I think is, uh, I think when they come to me, I think that they're they're confident that I'll be able to help them or point them into the, uh, the direction that they need to go if it's something that we don't do. And that's an interesting thing, knowing what we do and don't do. I think at work, we have a mission statement, which tells us what we do and don't do. But sometimes around the house, we don't have a mission statement. That's why we have goals. Can you talk to us about the importance of goals? I think goals are important so that you can, you kind of know where you want to be. Will you always achieve them? Well, maybe not. But, you know, maybe, maybe you're going to, because of that, the path you took, maybe you're going to find something a lot better. I often feel challenged when people ask me a question about my process or about what my intentions are or how I'm doing something. When people question you, what do you do to maintain your confidence? If they come and ask me for something, I'm going to ask questions back as to whatever the issue. I need access to this. Okay, why do you need this access? And so I think the questions that I present to them to make them think of what what they're asking, um, I think will help them hopefully be confident. And can you think of someone who either in the work setting, your family, school, who started without the confidence and you saw them slowly collect confidence along the way? You know, I've, I've, I've got somebody that I work with 
you know, I worked with her at Delta, Northwest slash Delta as well. When we got laid off, I took a little time off, but I happened to notice a job at MoneyGram and there was a mutual person that worked there. So I reached out to him and said, hey, I see there's an access management position at MoneyGram. How do you like working there? And he came back and said, oh, well, are you interested? Let me get your resume and I'll put it in front of the manager. That's exactly what I wanted him to do. But to your question, I then was there and I reached out to this person that I used to work with, the woman, and told her about it. And initially she wasn't real keen on the drive, but I kind of just persuaded her and she was just not real confident that she was going to be able to do the job. But she got the interview and and she came in. She was able to, you know, then learn the process and realize that her comfort zone was far higher than she expected because it was a lot of what we were doing at Delta. So I was able to see her gain the confidence, become comfortable in the position, and, and she's flourished. Excellent. Can you think of a time when you've done that, when you've started something perhaps a new hobby, perhaps a new job, but you didn't have that confidence. But along the way, you collected the confidence. How did you do that? I I don't think I've ever had that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, I, I had to kind of go back to, to cheerleading, frankly, because like I said, you know, I, I had a goal that I wanted to, you know, at least try out for the squad. And then when I made the squad, at that point, it was like, okay, I really have no idea what, what's in store. But I was really eager to do that. But my confidence level wasn't terribly high. As things progressed, I just found out that, hey, I, I can do this. And I'm not that bad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't tumble like some people on this conversation do. Um, <laughs> but, but so, yeah, I mean, I, that's, a, that's a long ancient history example. And how about the... The part where someone says something that either lifts you up or tears you down. We talked a little bit with one of my other guests about the power of words. And those words, you could say them flippantly and it might mean the world to someone or shatter the world for someone. Can you think of an instance where someone said something to you that made you very confident or that shot your confidence? I try not to let people's words have that much impact on me. If you do, my feeling is you're probably going to be more disappointed more often than you're not. Having said that, when you're working, you know, you have your your annual month reviews. And again, kind of coming with confidence, we're always our worst critic. So I'm thinking, you know, gosh, I could have done this better. But then her words came back and, you know, it's like, you know, I really appreciate what you do. You're always, you're always willing to help and jump in. And, and it's like, really, you know, a lot of positivity. I think, like I said, we're always our worst critic. So we're always going to be someone who I'm going to judge myself, I think maybe more so than anybody else will. Yeah, I'd have to say just being able to gain the confidence. Talk a little bit about those inner voices, the inner voices that tell you you're doing a good job or the inner voices that self-critique. Why do we do that? I, I truly don't know. Um, I've never thought of it, frankly. We're always thinking through processes and, you know, depending on what you're doing, when you're, you're working on a task, you know, sometimes it may be something that came out of left field and you're not, you weren't prepared for the question or, you know, the directives from your boss. And so, okay, well, let's, let's do this. But you have to, your inner voice is telling you, this is how some transferable skills that you can, that you can use, but I'm going to go back to whole, the whole cloud support. And, you know, that's again, a new issue. So my inner voice will, for that instance, be kind of, oof, okay, I'm not quite sure I know what I'm doing here. So proceed with caution and where's my documentation. Whereas something else, 
I'm well-versed in that. If something comes with that, it's like, okay, let's go ahead and do it. I can get it done. People will come to me with issues. They're confident and I'm confident I can do it. Cloud applications, not so much yet. But the inner voice is kind of always there to, to guide you. And, you know, yeah, is there some self-doubt maybe? But yeah, you just kind of work through it. How about times when your inner voice has told you that you're confident and you can do something even though maybe you couldn't? I would say, I, I, I'm going to go to, you know, having gotten basically let go from Delta, there was a point where it's like, okay, will I really be able to find another job? And so I, I did took, take a little time just to kind of relax. And so there was a point where I wasn't quite sure if, you know, if I was going to be able to find another job. And I found a job that was very similar to what I was doing. And with that, having found that and having the knowledge and, and my, of what I can and can't do, I had confidence that that was something that I could do. And it helped that I knew somebody that was there. And But I could have shot myself in the foot and talked myself out of even looking. And But at that point also, failure was not an option as far as I was concerned. So yeah, I did move on. And I think I came out the other side a lot better. Yeah, I get the impression that a lot of people don't try because of the fear of failure. Does that sound right? I think so. Yeah, I do believe that's true. And I know that one of the fears of failure is public speaking. That tends to be one of the biggest fears out there. When I go to do public speaking, I kind of laugh because I'm going to be doing a seminar or a presentation or guest speak. They ask, are you comfortable in front of crowd? And I laugh because as cheerleaders, up to 60,000, sure. But how big is your crowd? A lot of people don't have the confidence to even speak in a meeting with six people. What is a way that they could gain some confidence to get over that? They have to first realize they're in that meeting for a reason. They bring something of value to the table, whatever that may be. They need to know that and have the confidence that what they have to say is of value. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have been invited to the meeting. And have you ever helped someone who has had low confidence help them try to collect confidence? Well, in, in your day-to-day -day dealings with people, you, know, you try to mentor and coach people if they come and, you know, if they have an issue. I'm, we've got some new team members. All of the people in the team are tasked with meeting with this new person and doing some training. So one of the things that I do from what I said previously is I'm, I'm working with her to train her on mainframe access. And so I schedule some meetings and I entitled it Fun with Mainframe. So, you know, she laughed and people laugh, but at least you're trying to make it more of an inviting environment. And, and for me, I try to just to approach it from the level of they probably don't know much. And so let's just start at the beginning and build on the basic. That's what I try to do when people are not confident in the subject matter we're working. And what about you when you, is there anything that you're currently trying to gain confidence in, maybe a new hobby, a new activity or something? Right now in my personal life, not really. I'm content with the way things are going and in work, just trying to get a better grasp on the changing technologies and trying to, you know, maybe learn some things on the side, you know, getting old <laughs> and <laughs> you know, it's, there's not, uh, I don't have a lot, uh, you know, that I'm really achieving or trying to achieve at this moment in time. Okay. We talked a little bit about what it looks like when a person is confident. What does it look like when a person is not confident? I think they seem, they, they appear timid or maybe withdrawn from a crowd, not eager to converse or to join in a conversation. I think that can manifest in a lot of ways, depending on the individual. And is there a person not on this Zoom call that you think of when you think of someone who is very confident? Very confident. I have a good friend who I've known since we were five, and I think that he's always been he, you know, he's been someone who's always done, known what he's wanted and gone after it. And 
you know, when you talk to him and he's always kind of a take charge kind of person. His name is Steve. I think of Steve when I think of something like that. The podcast is called Collecting Confidence. And I want you to just talk for a little bit about the process of confidence that you don't just open up a box and suddenly have all the confidence in the world. Mm -hmm. How does a person collect that confidence over time? I think that they have to have, they have to feel comfortable. I adopted my cat as when he was 10 years old. And when you come into a new environment, as Walter, my cat did, he didn't know what to expect. Try to get him accustomed to me and make him feel comfortable. He felt comfortable in his new surroundings, then felt confident to come out and kind of then take over the house. But how did that happen? I, as a person, was patient. I made him try to feel as comfortable as he can. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's for cats. But I think that you can take that analogy and apply it to anybody. If you have someone that you know is not terribly confident, reach out to them. Let them feel comfortable in whatever situation, whether it's a work or personal or friendship. And know that you know they're there. You're there for them. And let them build on that confidence. And eventually, I think they'll do good things. Starting something new getting acclimated to it, figuring out what's right and what's wrong takes some time. In my lectures, I talk about the graduation dilemma where I'm going from K through eight. And by the time I get to eighth grade, I'm the big man on campus. And then I graduate and go to high school. And suddenly I'm the freshman and I'm looking at a map trying to figure out where the science wing is. I have no idea how to navigate through the building. By my senior year, of course, I'm the big man on campus. I know where everything is and I'm making fun of the freshmen. And then I go off to college and we go through this all again. And then I get a job and we go through this all again. And I think that that's a difficult thing for some people and they don't enjoy that. We don't like, a lot of us don't like change because we're not confident with it. And I know I worked at U.S. Bank and we got a new phone system in and people that had been there 20 years and knew everything now didn't know how to access their phone messages. And so a lot of people hate change because it brings new things and they're suddenly not confident in their abilities. Have you seen that where people are not confident because of the change in their lives? Uh, you know, I think I've been there, frankly, you know, with, you know, like I said, the getting let go from Delta. And I think you'll see that with, in a work environment, like you said, with the phone system, or in this case, you know, a whole, and a whole application goes away and you're now using a different tool to obtain access requests or kind of going back to the whole, you know, cloud thing. Yeah. When you're not comfortable, I don't think you're terribly confident. But like you said, it's like, I'm God, I'm a freshman at the University of Minnesota. It's like, this is a big school. Then after a couple of years, you know, I, I, I realized that I need to get involved in things because then that makes your whole experience. I mean, your whole world kind of is a little bit smaller. Yeah, you're in the big university universe, but your little world is whatever it might be, you know, cheerleading, or I was in the orientation orientation leader there. So you you kind of get your you get your bearings there, but change is hard. And if there was some advice here as we go out, if there's some advice that you could give people for how to gain confidence, collect confidence, or how not to lose confidence, what advice would you give them? I would say believe in yourself. First and foremost, you are where you are for a reason. You've achieved where your position where you are. Things are always changing. And as long as you realize that, have faith in yourself that you're going to achieve whatever your goals are. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. This is Jim Madsen, an information security analyst for MoneyGram International, also former cheerleader for the University of Minnesota. Go Gophers. Thanks, Jim. It's always nice to talk with you. John, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for thinking of me and uh, good to see you. Thanks, Jim. You too. Today's tip for collecting confidence is to believe in yourself. You are good enough. 
This has been the Collecting Confidence Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm John Barrett.